0: You're listening to What's Contemporary Now? A show about culture, the people, places, and things that together make it up. As we continue to address the notion of having too much, or whether or not there's room for new design talent in an already populated sector, Lukanya Madingi shows us that there's still a right way to win. The South African designer first garnered significant attention after winning the LBMH Karl Lagerfeld Prize in 2021, and he most recently won the Amiri Prize in 2023, but his notion of lineage building is probably best illustrated through a partnership with the Ethical Fashion Initiative. With plans to launch an e-commerce platform that will expand upon his existing offerings of clothing alone, this episode makes it abundantly clear how Lucanio managed to break through all of the noise. This is Lacanian Dinghy, and
1: we're talking about what's contemporary now.
0: I have been so excited to have this conversation with you after you and I first managed to connect and discuss the larger subject matter of coming up in the world today as a new brand. I wanted to touch upon your start, having grown up in South Africa, having such a close community in your family, and discovering things like MTV and the supermodel era as formative parts of your upbringing. But let's talk about your kind of arrival point as a designer and when that really became the clear goal.
1: Just coming from a small town in the Eastern Cape, just recognizing that pop culture is something that really penetrated our space so deeply. And I think just being privy to all of the mass media that was essentially shown on to me, whether it was, again, through MTV or Soapies, and as well as just the context of South African pop culture in itself, like Boomshaka and TKZ. There was such an infinite love for fashion and music, but for me, it was really just understanding that fashion was always just my first point of love in any of the two. And I think it was definitely within the year of 2011 going into 2013, where I really had the opportunity to be in an institutionalized space in design school to really harness the skill of what fashion design is and to also immerse myself within the different aspects of the fashion industry that was within South Africa. And for me, fashion design always just came up to the top, I'd have to say.
0: And you actually started your own brand in 2015, right? Correct, yeah. We had this incredible opportunity
1: that took place in 2014. It was my graduate year at CPUT, which is the design school that I went to. And there was a fashion scout there and his name was Simon Diner. And he had scouted myself and essentially he approached me and he was like, there's SMS a week that will be starting within 2015. And they were actively looking for two young emerging brands slash designers to be in this specific slot. And the opportunity was just simply presented to me and it's something that I felt like I couldn't pass out on. So 2015 was the year that we had our initial launch into the world of fashion.
0: And winning the LVMH Karl Lagerfeld Prize in 2021 must have been an absolutely life-changing experience.
1: It really was. I remember seeing the prize for the first time in 2014 or 2013, Mm -hmm. just being in fashion school. And it was something that I actively wanted to work towards too because it was something that I definitely believed that the label could essentially achieve. And it was quite interesting having those formative years of the business, really just slowly plowing the seeds for us to reach that moment of yes. And that moment Mm -hmm. of yes was when we were awarded a joint recipient of the LVMH
0: prize. And it's something that we've just always worked towards. And most recently, you've actually been the recipient of the Amiri prize, which is absolutely incredible. But before we jump into the sort of halo that's offered or the support that's come with, what were some of the changes to your business that resulted from having had the support of the LVMH Carlygopho Prize?
1: Extraordinary. I think before you even get awarded the award within itself, there's this six to eight month period where there's so much PR and visibility, just being a semi-finalist and then being a finalist that really gets shown on to each designer. And just being under the aegis of the LVMH prize in itself brings so much visibility that all brands essentially want, not just within the context of communications and PR, but also just with specific retailers. And coming from a country that is literally at the bottom of the globe in itself, it's moments such as that, that we obviously really strive to achieve. So it became quite an incredible opportunity for us to see how we could utilize it in the best way that we essentially could at the time. And of course, being awarded the prize and being a joint winner, it obviously just now led to us winning the fund, but also the mentorship, which we felt was extremely beneficial for our business.
0: And is that an ongoing mentorship or do you have a changing of the guards when you move into winning the Amiri prize all in that situation?
1: I think when it comes to the business of fashion, it's networks more than anything else. I think mm-hmm. when you are an alumni of a prize, it's a network that you essentially will always have to your disposal. And coming off from the LVMH prize, I think for us, it was really important to lean on the networks that had been created and had been formed and to also connect with them and stay in touch with them. Because essentially, there's a bigger picture to what we're essentially trying to do within the Allen brand. And we need our friends and we need our networks and we need our partners And being part of the LVMH Prize, for example, is definitely an ongoing process. I don't think it's something that would end at any point purely based on the really strong connections that we've had the opportunity to build.
0: And how does it work now that you've won the Amiri Prize? What does that change in terms of the way the companies run or mentored by these large organizations? I think
1: the large organizations look at the alumni and the designers. I don't think they would disregard you purely based on having another affiliation of another brand. I think the whole intention of these institutions are to really uplift young emerging entrepreneurs and businesses. And it's through that intention that motivates the purpose, I would have to say. Just from my experience, nothing has necessarily waned If anything, by the time the brand actually won the Mary Prize, we received so much positive feedback from those certain parties within the LVMH group, just extending their sentiments and congratulating us on the epic achievement. And I think that's something that's really important. It's not the affiliation of other institutions, but it's rather just really focusing on the potential that they can see within their alumni and really continuously supporting that.
0: Something you talked about during our last call, which I found really interesting and relevant, was the fact that these organizations are generally coming from the industry hub markets, which are primarily Uh in the Northern Hemisphere, and that some of the codes of how business, design, brand identity, consumer culture, any of these things may differ depending where it is that the brand is based. And in the case Of yours, you're based in South Africa. So can we talk a little bit about whatever existing disparities might come up in that process? Or do you feel like it translates without incident? I think there's definitely differences.
1: You have to remember these larger institutions, as intentional as they are, they're coming from spaces that are from a first world point of view in a first world country, meaning that there's a very specific system of the business of fashion and a model that has essentially been created. And that model, I think and believe is definitely conducive for those that are within those spaces. But when you're looking at things in a regional perspective, especially within the context of a designer perhaps coming from a third world or developing country that's trying to break into an international market, there's certain plugins and systems that might be difficult to implement essentially just looking at the regional standpoint of things. And I think what we realized within this, just coming from South Africa and also just understanding our economy and as well as the nature of our country not necessarily being first world, the business of fashion within our context is something that's incredibly niche, specifically with clothing. It's not necessarily an industry that is the most impactful. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to receiving select opportunities within our country, it becomes very difficult for us to utilize that. For example, there was a very pivotal and important situation that where the business was experiencing exponential growth and this growth was immeasurable. And this is something that a lot of people essentially dream for. And we were in a position where we had amazing purchase orders and it was absolutely fantastic for us. But because purchase order funding within the context of South Africa is something that's quite difficult, it was really Mm -hmm. hard for us to essentially receive funding for these purchase orders, right? And essentially just being under the aegis of an institution such as the prize there's all of these things that get extended over to you and they're really informative. But the reality is I think some of those instances such as a purchase order funding is more conducive within businesses that might be within the Northern Hemisphere as opposed to a third world country or developing country where the market is incredibly small and incredibly niche. So you are recognized and seen as quite high risk simply based on the nature of your business. So it's little things like that that can make it quite difficult for a business coming from a third world slash developing country to really break into the international space and work in a very international way within the context of the Northern hemisphere, if that makes sense.
0: No, it makes perfect sense. But you've also said that you very much intend to remain a south african-based brand right despite whatever struggles there are to international translation as far as some of the things that you're touching upon now it is something that's important to you given that you already have both international attention and distribution what are some of the ways you plan or hope to move forward that might mitigate some of the struggles that you're explaining now
1: I think it's really important to just understand and also actually just really have a sense of strategy within your business mm-hmm. and also just your planning, what you're essentially wanting to do and implement. What we've realized specifically over this last year, where we've actively had a moment to take a step back and reassess how can the Lukanyam brand work within a more international way, but also challenge some of the experiences that we've faced over these last number of months. And for us, it's taking a more strategic approach of highlighting what those are, how Mm -hmm. does that essentially look like, and who do we need to essentially work with. For example, we had never necessarily distributed within the context of South Africa. And for us, it was really important to see how can we create a larger community and also distribution channel within our local context because for so much we had been working on wholesale with our international partners and this is something that was of course beneficial for us for a period but then we also realized that it was only just that kind of stream of revenue that was coming into our brand so for us it was really focusing on a direct-to-consumer model within the context of South Africa to help alleviate some of the pressures that we essentially experienced of just distributing in one specific kind of way. But also at the same time, it will allow us to be a lot more accessible to the South African market, which is something that's really important to us. We are a South African brand. Right now we're selling at different corners of the world, but we're not necessarily providing that just yet within our country. So it's now pivoting in a way of recognizing how can we implement certain tools and infrastructure and a different model within our business to make sure that we have a lot more stability within our cash flow, but also leading on to having a larger market and creating offerings that are exclusively available for our South African consumers and community.
0: So in a way, you're unofficially building out infrastructure that other brands can ultimately use moving forward in the local market. You're building something that has no precedent.
1: I think there's very few African designers right now that are the firsts. And Mm -hmm. I think we are moving in a way where we're definitely trying to penetrate a presence within our own respective countries, but also on a global scale as well. But with that being said, because we are the first, there's no paradigm ahead of us to really get a view scope of how it's supposed to be done. And because we're the first, it puts us in a position where we are constantly evaluating and, and constantly having to use this as an opportunity to see how we can implement and strategize. It's not even necessarily a bad thing, but it, it gives room for opportunity and it gives room to take a more considered approach as to how a brand that is coming from a third world or a developing country, how it can function within that space, but also how it can also potentially function within an international space. And still cater within the Northern hemisphere. So those are things that we still definitely trying to develop, but also implement within the brand and business. But the trajectory of it is not so black and white Linear. as it seems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That was the next question. You know, is there an order of priority or are you simultaneously trying to achieve both of those feats at once where you are breaking into the international industry, you want to continue expanding that growth and then in addition also foster this infrastructure that you're building out now in the local market?
1: I think coming out of the LVMH prize specifically, because that happened in 2021 going into 2022, the mm-hmm. focus and the strategy that we had within the Le Cundingue brand was really trying to penetrate the international market so much. Mm-hmm. So we worked with PR agencies, we worked with sales agents. We essentially really wanted to build our retail accounts with our wholesale partners and also just bring more visibility to the Le Cundingue brand within the context of doing Paris Fashion Week consistently for those first two seasons and seeing how that could essentially bring more visibility to the brand. And in hindsight, it definitely did. And I think it was really beneficial for us in the context of letting the Lukung Dinghy brand be a lot more apparent and more well-known. But what we've also realized, while we were so determined to do that, it was hard to bring that back home, at home being South Africa as well. So we Mm -hmm. also had to actively make the decision of, what is the most important thing for our business and the infrastructure in order for us to have sustainable and organic growth? So actively having to step back and reassessing the foundation of the business and re-looking really at our local market and recognizing that there is such a strong demand here in South Africa for the Lukang DD brand. And how can we do that? I think for a period, the strive for me was how can I be the best Jacquemus of Paris, even though that already existed. But it's actually so much better and easier for me to be the best Lucanium Dinghy within my own country and to let that penetrate different spaces of the different corners of the world and let that kind of unfold organically. That's definitely the strategy now. I think the Lucanium Dinghy brand is definitely known within different parts of the world. But our main strategy just moving forward is to really see how we can build our direct-to-consumer model here within the context of South Africa and how we can really foster that community. How can our community grow with us? I think the one thing that I know about South Africans is that there's a really beautiful spirit of support and really feeling the power of a collective within the context of our nation. And I believe that is something that is definitely going to be felt by the time we open this new section and this new chapter of the Le brand and letting it unfold in the most organic way possible.
0: And let's speak a little bit more about the brand and its practices. I would love to hear more about your involvement or the partnership that you have with the Ethical Fashion Initiative, what that entails exactly, and also anything artisanal in terms of how you approach garment construction.
1: I think in the beginning of the brand, it was such a small team. It was literally myself. It was my sample hand and it was my pattern maker. And even through that whole practice, I realized that there was a beautiful sense of collaboration and very little room for ego. And I think for me, just being in the presence of those that are far greater than I was within their own specific practices, they enhanced the design and by recognizing that I, I realized that a collective is something that's far greater than a singular. So just really taking on the spirit of what it means to be a collaborator and really looking at the human aspect of things is a sentiment that I definitely wanted to be woven within the fabric of the Lakangam Dingy brand in itself. So during the formative years of the brand, there were two collections that had been created and then we had an incredible opportunity that was presented to us by the Ethical Fashion Initiative. And that opportunity was to partake in Petit Umo that took place a few years ago. And that essentially started the whole relationship between the Lukanyam brand and the Ethical Fashion Initiative, which is an extraordinary initiative that really works with different parts of Central Asia and as well as different parts of Africa, where there's a lot of textile communities that are coming from marginalized groups. And the EFI is essentially under the aegis of the European Union and as well as the United Nations. And the whole intention of the whole institution is to see how a marriage between business design and social impact work through the spirit of craft and working with artisanal craftsmen and women can essentially create a hybrid between one another. And just through that sentiment, that was something that really interweaved with the point of view of the Lukanyam Dingi brand because it went back to the basics of, collaboration and really looking at the human spirit and how that level of ingenuity could essentially be woven within something that is honest, something that is steady and something that is quite strong.
0: Beautiful. And in terms of the production and styles and different approaches to the actual garment construction, is there an artisanal component that you'd like to speak to or Absolutely. I think by the time we
1: realized that there was a stronger partnership that was essentially being created between the Ethical Fashion Initiative and as well as the Lukang Dingy brand, it was really important for us to see how the two worlds could essentially work with one another. Being part of the EFI Accelerator program that essentially took place within the year of 2021 and as well as 2022, we had an incredible opportunity to really be open to their networks but also to travel to Burkina Faso and to really see the level of finesse and meet the craftsmen and women in the different parts and regions of Wagatogu within Burkina. And I think just bearing witness to their presence, to their integrity and to their finesse is something that was such a revealing experience to the brand because you really got to feel the spirit of these individuals and you really got to see how that spirit is essentially seeped into the practice and also seeped into the artisanal pieces that they created. And for us, it's really recognizing as to how the sensibility can be created in a contemporary way where people that are outside of those specific communities and whether you are in New York or whether you are in Australia or different parts of the world where you can feel a beautiful hybrid or something that's quite artisanal, but mm-hmm. also quite contemporary at the same time. And I think what was really beneficial for us is that through the retail partnerships, they really gave us the opportunity to expand on that point of view and also really choosing to invest in key items and offerings that were made by these extraordinary textile communities. It really just made the point of view just so much more stronger. And it also brought the visibility to the brand and as well as those that we're essentially working with in the best light, but also giving consumers that have made the conscious decision to invest in these specific pieces to understand what they're wearing and essentially what that sentiment means. But this whole relationship of really working with craftsmen and women is a sentiment that's also extended within the context of South Africa as well. There's an extraordinary community that we work with in Kailicha and they have so much talent within their weaving practices as well. And that also leads on to the communities that we work with in the Eastern Cape. So really tapping into these different groups of men and women, predominantly women, that are coming from marginalized groups but have so much finesse within their hands is something that we really want to continuously work with because we believe in the ingenuity and as well as the honesty that ends up being part of the creations that we've had the opportunity to make over these last few years.
0: And is all of that something that's sustainable as the company scales? Are those practices something you're able to do as things get bigger?
1: We're in such a fortunate position because right now things have been so steady with the brand and we've been in a position where we've actively been able to grow hand in hand with those that we've had the opportunity to work with within these specific Mm -hmm. regions. In terms of scalability and in terms of quality, It's quite fortunate for us because essentially things are still very much manageable. This is something that I definitely still think about, but I believe in the trajectory that we have and the point of view. And I think by really harnessing these relationships and being communicative and really for the best of times and also for the most challenging, we've realized that at the end of the day, it really comes down to partnerships. And also Mm -hmm. actively wanting to grow with one another because they too understand the benefits of what it means to continue with the initial partnership that we have on hand, because it also leans back into adding to their livelihoods. And that's something that's incredibly important to us and also to me.
0: You talk about partnerships and obviously the Ethical Fashion Initiative. Are you also open to partnerships in the form of brand collaborations if you were to be approached? Absolutely. I... Love design, and
1: I'm a designer more than anything else. And through design, I've realised that there's such a high level of things to be learned and ingenuity that can be really added on to one's point of view and vision. Any level of partnership, whether it's through a brand partnership, I think there's a lot of room for potential. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely see the dingy universe within that space, and working hand in hand with a brand or a designer or collaborate of any sort to see how two universes could essentially come into one i think it brings in a beautiful kind of spirit within both entities and it gives room for visibility and also just learning more i mm-hmm. think that's something that's really important to me i love just being in the presence of those that know more than i do i think it adds such a beautiful sense of knowledge and inspiration. And it makes me literally want to be a better designer and a better collaborator. So we look forward to the day when we are in a position to work with a larger brand that really understands us and is willing to really respect the point of view of our brand and vice versa for us to extend this exact same sentiments over to them
0: as well. Speaking of collaborations, and obviously you had started as menswear, but you also have women's. What are the plans moving forward in terms of women's and men's?
1: Well, I mean, we started off as menswear and not only did we start off as menswear, but menswear is such a large part of the brand and we showcased that past fashion week men's. But through our sales and our wholesale channels, it's actually our wear that is the most performing So it's something that we really have to pay attention to in just terms of business and numbers. I believe that the brand is incredibly strong within both men's and women's wear. And also just understanding the offerings that we have within both categories of both men's and women's wear, whether it's our knitwear or our leathers or the artisanal pieces. We're always trying to create many universes for different people and for people to feel like they can take away a little bit of something from the brand. So we'll essentially continue to work as we have, but there is something within our women's wear that we feel like we need to, or would like to bring more to the forefront. Also just understanding that we really have a large womenswear wear audience out there.
0: And not to bring it back to the baseline of our conversation, but I would love a kind of takeaway statement from you around your thoughts about these prizes, these systems that exist in the industry and the infrastructure that can or can't effectively support emerging new brands? Do you feel as though it's something that's sufficiently set up or still requires more work?
1: I am so thankful for the opportunities that have come from winning these two different prizes and also the institutions. I think the work that they do is incredibly intentional. With that being said, I've realized that when one has an international prize, it's so important to be cognizant of the different regions that the prizes open up to. And because of that, whether someone is winning from America or Ethiopia or South Africa or Australia, one really needs to understand that all of these different countries function in a very different way. And a lot of it has a lot to do with economics and policies and markets, and currencies. And I think if we are more mindful and cognizant of that, if the implementation of the strategy that you have with your winners and your alumni becomes so much more impactful and so much more stronger. And I think that's definitely one of the biggest takeaways that I've had. I think these institutions are incredible. And I think what they offer to emerging brands and designers is really important. But with that being said, it's also vital and imperative that you understand who you're working with and where they come from so that the strategy that you have on hand is on par essentially with the needs within their country. And that's something that I think really needs to be taken into account for. And this is not just within the context of prizes, but this is in the context of just business partnerships and Mm -hmm. how that essentially looks like. Where is the transactions essentially taking place? Where are these partnerships going to? Who are you partnering with? Where are they essentially based? I think there's quite a beautiful room for opportunity and looking at ways to be better and be stronger and to see how these two different entities can essentially work in conjunction with one another. That's definitely the biggest takeaway that I would have to express. I think really having to understand who you're working with, it really allows the implementation of the strategy that you have on hand to become so much more impactful for greater success.
0: I certainly feel like the prize is going to evolve or reiterate or change in a very positive way somewhere along the lines in your story, because you're being very proactive, not just as a recipient, but how you then, put that back out into the world and systems in place that others can adopt in the future. And that's an incredibly exciting and admirable thing. I also- Thank you. Of course. (laughs) We can't end this conversation without asking you the namesake question, which is what are your thoughts on what's contemporary now?
1: What's contemporary now? I think it's really important for one to recognize their talent and how that can be cultivated to be of purpose and service to
0: others. Beautiful. Articulate as always. Thank you so much for the conversation. No, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of What's Contemporary Now. A special thanks to our show's producer, Cheyenne Asadi, who makes it all possible. Original theme music by Joseph Top Miller and Chase Coughlin of The Black Soft. And visual design by Aaron Marr and Graham Prentice. Subscribe now to be the first to hear new episodes. And for more content, follow us on Instagram at What's Contemporary or visit us online at What'sContemporary.com.